I'm a little bit concerned this morning as we turn to Galatians chapter 6, verses in particular 6 to 10. I'm a little bit concerned because I'm worried that some of the things that I'm going to say this morning might sound crazy to you, or you might be suspicious of them when you hear me say them, that, of course, that they maybe will have no effect at all. And so because of that, I want to start with just an overview of some, some really important truths that we've been talking about a lot lately here, and I just want to re, retouch on these, re-hit these here. First of all, right, Jesus changes everything. The book of Galatians opens up in Galatians 1.4. He says, Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins. No more sins. Changes everything to deliver us from this present evil age. Everything in this world and everything we touch, he delivers us from. Changes everything. All this according to the will of our God. Now we know the will of our God. That changes everything. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. We now know where all glory comes from, where all glory belongs. This changes everything. Jesus, in our knowledge of him, changes everything. His death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, right? It fulfills every, every promise of God and every hope of every human heart. Fulfilled and delivered by Jesus. Jesus reveals the truth about who God is. He reveals the truth about the way of salvation. Jesus gives us and Jesus alone gives us life. And so Jesus changes everything. We're all good with that. Now Jesus and the Spirit of Jesus, we talked about this last week, has priorities. This is a little bit of a novel thing, right? In, in a, the, the way that most Americans tend to talk about the Spirit is like the Spirit's just kind of like we get to kind of do whatever we want with our idea of the Spirit. The Spirit, oh, I really feel the Spirit's doing this. I really feel the Spirit's leading this. I, I sense the Spirit over here. We got like this, this Spirit Ouija thing where we're just sort of like, oh, always kind of, ooh, did I spell out the name of the, you know, the person I liked or did the, the Spirit tell me who I should ask out, right? Paul's very clear here that the Spirit has priorities. Look with me at Galatians 6.10, the last verse that Amanda read for us. It says, as we have opportunity to let us do good to everyone, Kind of like, yeah, duh, right? But he, what's his emphasis? And especially to those of the household of faith. Especially to those of the household of faith. The Spirit has priorities, and the priorities of the Spirit is the household of faith. He goes on in verse 15, a verse that I hope we've just about read every single week we've talked about Galatians. Neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. The only thing that counts for anything is the new creation work of the Spirit of Jesus in this world through His people. The beautiful new creation is where the Holy Spirit is leading us. Paul ends chapter 5 by saying, uh, as we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Right? So, all right, where's the Spirit going? The Spirit is going into Galatians 6, 1 to 10. Last week we talked about the, the culture of grace, of bearing each other's burdens, and, and you who are spiritual heading back down into the, the muck with those who are caught in transgressions, pushing that vehicle out of the mud, right? Getting dirty along the way. And now we're talking about still the beautiful new creation community that the Holy Spirit is leading us to, right? Not anything, but something. And what is this? The Spirit is leading us all to this. You, us, right? This is, believe it or not, in the, it doesn't make great sense to us all the time, but in the wisdom of God, for the earth to be filled with the knowledge of his glory is this. For the world to see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ is this. 
for grace to extend to more and more people and increase praise and thanksgiving to God is somehow it's this. This is God's design for all of that. The Holy Spirit is building the new creation. Here's the third thing, the new creation out of us. The Holy Spirit is therefore leading us all to greater investment in the local church. The Holy Spirit is building the new creation out of us. This is so huge. You have got to this morning, you have got to appreciate your significance and the significance of the life of the local church. Friends, not just like you matter and this is like self-esteem and hey, I'm important. You are absolutely central to the universe. They're going to go for millions of light years looking at cool stuff, but the center of the universe of what the God is doing is right here. In you, in me, in us, in this. Jesus changes everything. And He is launching His everything-changing revolution in little beautiful new creation communities that His Spirit is building out of us. Did you get that? Jesus is changing everything and He's changing everything. That revolution is taking place in the new creation communities that the Spirit of Jesus is building out of us. There's a sense in which the entire book of Galatians, the first book of the New Testament, is entirely built, entirely written to convince Paul's readers and by the Spirit, us reading it today, that you are the ones, you are the ones who have peace with God. Don't look at the Buddha, don't look at the Hindu sages atop the mountaintops. You're the ones with peace with the God. You're the ones who can stand before Him with clean consciences and in full confidence. And you have the Spirit of Messiah, the one hero within you. You are the one, the only ones who are the heirs of all things. You are the ones, the only people on this planet who are free. And you have the power of God in you, bringing fruit, bringing love, bringing joy, bringing peace into this world. You are the ones. Because new creation is the only thing that matters, and it is built out of us. I know I've just been re-preaching some stuff here, but you've got to have this in view because of where we're going now. So if this is true, if this is true, new creation is the only thing that matters, it's built out of us, then what should we be investing ourselves in? Look with me now at Galatians 6, verses 6 to 8. Where are you going to invest? Paul says here in Galatians 6, 6 to 8, he says, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. What are we going to invest in? Are we going to invest in the flesh or the Spirit? This is an enormous question because what you reap, you will sow. What you reap, you will sow. Right? Do you, do you like tomatoes? How many of you like tomatoes? How many of you love tomatoes? You can eat a tomato with just a little, yeah. How many of you, tomatoes make you gag a little bit? 
Yeah, there's, there's always some out there, right? So I apologize. Maybe the gagging is the Spirit's work to keep you awake for this. Uh, I love tomatoes. I'm a big, so if you, got, if you love tomatoes, you want more tomatoes. What do you do if you want lots more tomatoes? If you're like, I love tomatoes. Like I love tomato sauce on pizza, pasta. I love salsa. Like I could just drink, I, do, I just drink salsa sometimes. I just <laughs> love tomatoes. I love tomatoes, right? So what do you do if you want tomatoes? You know what you do? Don't eat that tomato. Don't eat that tomato. Because how do we get more of what we want? How do we get more of it? Well, we, we work, right? And we, we work, we get paid, we save our money, we, we invest it. You've got you to not eat at least one of the tomatoes if you want a lot more tomatoes. You've got to be willing to stop. You've got to be willing to make an investment. There is an economy to flourishing. Flourishing involves economic decisions. It involves financial decisions. Surviving is a result of eating. Thriving is a result of investing. Thriving is an is a result of sowing. Right? You've got to eat the tomato if you want to stay alive, but if you want a lot more tomatoes, so you can pass out salsas at Christmas uh, to, your, you know, to your good friends who like to drink salsa, uh, you, have to, you have to sow it. You have to invest it. So you know how many seeds are in a tomato? On average, I kind of, you know, there's a range, but 200 seeds in a tomato. So you don't eat that one tomato. There's your lonely sandwich, right? You take that tomato and you take all those seeds and you put them in the dirt. Bye-bye seeds. What's going to happen? From those 200 plants, you're going to get 4,000 tomatoes. 4,000 tomatoes. That keeps you in salsa and sauces for a while. Or 4,000 tomatoes or 800,000 seeds. The principle of sowing and reaping is regularly applied in Scripture, not just to agricultural decisions, but to the spiritual life. It says what you sow in your thoughts and in your mind, you're going to reap stuff from that. What you sow into your heart, your values, your loves, you're going to reap stuff from that. What you sow into your practices, your habits, your life, you're going to reap stuff from that. What you sow into your friendships and your relationships... We're going to reap stuff from that, right? A lot of us are in this marriage class because we've sown things and now we're reaping them and we want to figure out how to dial that back, right? You sow things and you reap things. This is, this is biblical. This is the way that it works. It is Sowing and reaping is fundamental to God's good, loving design of all things. You know, back in Genesis chapter 1 when it talks about the things that God created to grow, he says, and, and the fruit of that has the seeds of it in it. Like you're going to be able to take just the fruit and then make 200 more tomato plants. God designed in His love and in His wisdom, He designed this world to flourish and good things that we love to multiply exponentially. God designed things to flourish. Hey, do you have a, do you have a view of God that says He's stingy? Do you have an idea of God that He's withholding things from us, Right? Go look at any tree that bears fruit and think about how many trees to bear fruit are present in that tree and its fruit. And that gives you a picture on the heart and character and wisdom and grace of our God. 
Now, I want to be careful here. You get into sowing and reaping and you start right away, you start veering into kind of a health, wealth, prosperity vision of the Christian life, right? Sow a little, reap a lot, right? And you start, you, get, you can get excited about this. But I want to go back here now that because we're, we're in Galatians, we're in Paul's careful assessment of the, of the, the, Jewish conflict entrepreneur Christian leaders who are causing all this trouble. And part of their whole, their whole jam is, listen, if you do the stuff we say, if you invest in the ways that we tell you to invest, then God's going to bless you. And so we need to be careful here. It's not what we're talking about. When we invest in God's work in the new creation community, that, does not, that is not at all going to determine what we receive from Christ. What have you received from Christ that Christ has to give? What have you received? Right, salvation, you've received... All of it. Right? You've received everything. Not a little thing, not anything has been withheld. He's not waiting for you to prime the pump with your little seed of faith. Everything that Christ obtained on our behalf, He has delivered to us through His Spirit. But, what we invest in God's work does determine what the Spirit grows in our life. It does determine what the Spirit grows in our life. Look with me if you've got your Bibles. Look back at Galatians 5. I want, I want you to notice something kind of interesting here. There's a little bit of a mixed metaphor in how Paul talks about the work of the Spirit. So look with me in verse 18. Paul says, uh, if you are led by the Spirit. So that makes it sound like the Spirit is somebody that you, you follow. Right? Same thing in verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. So the, 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 the metaphor is that the Spirit is like a hiking guide. Right? Here we're off, we're off in uncharted territory and we're following the Spirit. We're keeping our eye on the Spirit. But then now look at verse 22. What's the metaphor that he uses? But now the fruit of the Spirit. So the Spirit is a, a guide that we follow and the Spirit is a... a somehow it's, it's an agricultural process that's producing fruits in us. So how do, we, how do we make sense of these two images, these two metaphors? And what we learn in Galatians 6, that God is the God of sowing and reaping. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he's the, the God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. That the Holy Spirit is that God. And so what that means is that the Holy Spirit, in order to produce that fruit is going to lead us to plant those seeds. That the Spirit, as we follow the Spirit, is going to lead us to plant good seeds because good fruits don't come out of nowhere. So the Spirit is going to lead us to plant good seeds so that we reap good fruit. Where's the Holy Spirit in your life leading you today? And the answer is right there. The Holy Spirit is leading you today to plant good seeds so you reap good fruit. The Spirit wants to produce the fruit of the Spirit, and so the Spirit is leading you to put those seeds in the ground, right? Turns out that grace works just like tomatoes. Oh, you non-tomato lovers, I'm sorry. It's just a perfect metaphor for grace. I love, I love tomatoes. So what Paul's saying here is that when we plant the right seeds... We are following the Spirit. And if we plant the right seeds, we'll reap a good harvest. We will be led into flourishing. See, these ideas are parallel. Follow the Spirit, plant good seeds, enjoy a good harvest, live a flourishing life.
All right, so how do we, how do we sow to the Spirit? This is what we want to do. We want to, we want to sow to the Spirit. How do we do that? What do we need to invest in? What do we need to invest in? Verse 8, the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. How do we sow to the Spirit? All right, the answer is in the preceding verses. Verse 6, let the one who is taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever one sows, that will they reap. We invest in our spiritual growth by investing in our gospel teachers. How do we sow to the Spirit? What is sown? Look at verse 6 again. What is sown? In verse 7 he says, Whatever one sows, that will they reap. What is sown? In verse 6, what is sown is the sharing of all good things. See that? All good things shared... And then where do we invest that? We invest it in the one who teaches us the word. Those who teach us the word. What Paul is saying here to the Galatians is very important for him and for his work and for their spiritual health is invest in the influence of your gospel teachers. Invest in the influence of your gospel teachers. All the way back in Galatians chapter 3, verses 2 and 5, you remember that passage where Paul says, Oh foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? He says, did, did you, were you supplied the Spirit? Did the Spirit come into your life through the works of the flesh or through hearing with faith? That the Spirit comes into our life is supplied to us through hearing with faith. We are led to flourishing. We are led to fruitfulness through hearing with faith. What does that mean? It means, and this is what Paul's drawing on here in chapter 6, verse 6, that we need the truth of the gospel to be regularly stated and explained in a way that is for us, clear so we hear it, and compelling so we faith it. We hear with faith. It's clear for us to hear, compelling for us to believe. And what Holy Spirit, so that you plant good seeds in your life, the Holy Spirit is leading you to, to listen to somebody who for you will clearly explain the truth in a compelling way. The stability of your faith in this world, the stability of your faith against doomerism, the strength of your faith in moments of trial and temptation, the shining of your faith in all the places that God has put you, all of that strength and light and life is fed by the Word. The Word, just the Word. And so God designed His new creation to center on the clear, compelling, personally connected preaching and teaching of Scripture. That's how our faith grows, and as our faith grows... Jesus' kingdom expands. Our faith is fed by the word. Our faith grows. Our faith shines. Jesus' kingdom expands. And so the greatest investment we can make, the greatest investment, what's, hey, everybody's probably got one of these. What's the greatest investment you missed out on? 
You know, I, I, I came of age right around like Yahoo and Google and those were penny stocks for a couple days. Oh man, right? Amazon, Apple before Steve Jobs jumped back into it. What's the greatest investment that you missed out on? I don't want to send your mind off into regret and shame and sorrow for the rest of our time together, but that's a powerful thing. Everybody's got one, right? The greatest investment you should have made. The greatest investment, right? One of my favorite, one of my, my favorite uh, little wise sayings is, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, and the second best time to plant a tree is today. Friends, the greatest investment... For those of you who are interested in the mission of God and the work of Christ and, the, and the, the name of Jesus, the greatest investment you can make is in your own personal spiritual health. And so Paul says, invest in the gospel teaching and preaching that you're getting. Everything at Fellowship Bible Church, we, we who are in the leadership group, what we, we pray is designed to present, and then everything else is to support the presentation of the Word in clear, compelling, and personally connected ways. All of our leadership, all of our volunteers, all of our paid staff, all of the operations and their expenses, our, our building expenses and our building hopes, all of those things are there to serve that. Whether it's the, the music, it's the prayer team, it's the kids' class, it's the setup of the chairs, everything is designed to serve a clear, compelling, connected presentation of Scripture for you, for your faith, because you and your faith are how the Holy Spirit is building the new creation in this world. So it is in your faith's best interest to invest in this. The more influence your church and the gospel has on your faith, the more influence your faith will have in the world that God has put you. You know, every Sunday we pray after, or before we take the offering, we say, God, use these offerings to further your mission. And I don't know what you think that means. <laughs> I would love to have taken a poll before. What do you think? What, you know, I think when a lot of times I hear that, I just think we're just kind of going like, God, just take our tithes and offerings. I hope it, I hope we kill some bad guy somewhere and does it, you know, like, I just hope it does something. I want to explain to you right now just very briefly what it does. All of your tithes and offerings, the vast majority of them, go to, as do all churches for the last, and synagogues that followed Jesus Christ for the last 6,000 years, they've all, most of all the, those tithes and offerings and gifts go to the, uh, the staff and operations of that church who are there, whose sole existence is to lift up and present the word to you in clear, compelling, connected ways. Because Why? Because the mission of God is not some great mystery. I don't know what you're doing in this world. We know exactly what he's doing. You. You is what God is doing in this world. You are the presence of the everything changing Jesus in your place and with your people. So very practically, what do we do with the good things that God has given us? So I'm just going to go right for it. <laughs> just going to jump right at it. 
All right, so I'm, I'm just going to talk very briefly about this. This is probably a sermon series, but I'm going to talk very briefly, right? In the Old Testament, many of you are aware that God commanded the people of Israel to practice the tithe. Tithe, among other things, but the tithe was basically 10% of all the good things that God had given them in the course of a year. They took those and they gave them to the priests and Levites for their sustenance and survival that following year and for the operations of the temple and holding up, again, the, the word for this people to put their faith in, etc. Now, in the New Testament, the, all the language of tithing just evaporates. You know, and a lot of scholars are unsure on what to make of this. Some people say, well, they, Jesus and the apostles, of course, always practiced tithing. They, they would still have done these things, even though they don't talk about it in that way. But what's interesting is that it's not talked about, but instead, in its place, in place of that sort of exactitude, and that sort of like, do this, we're commanded to be cheerfully generous. Smile. <laughs> We're commanded to be cheerfully generous in our giving. So, where does that leave us? I, I would suggest uh, people that talk about this stuff a lot, pastors that do, I don't do this a lot, but they would say, hey, if you're not giving anything, give something. Because that is an investment in your faith. As your faith grows, so will your joy grow. You'll be able to go into sufferings with a sense of peace. And what would you give to be able to do that, Right? So give something, but then for those of you who are already giving something, I thought, well, this is kind of interesting. Let's, if we're supposed to be cheerfully giving, let's shoot for uh, at least one notch above 10%. Let's go for 11%. It seems like a New Testament kind of response to the tithe. Not 7%, 11%. We're going we're gonna to beat the Old Testament believers. And then ask yourself this. Maybe this is a, a very little asked question in America, which is, uh, how much do I need? How much do I need? Do I need to be able to retire on a yacht by, the time, by this time next year? Do I need that? I don't know. I'd like to be able to have those resources there, but I don't know if I need it. What is, this is a question nobody in America asks, right? What is enough? What is enough? Because those are, that's a change in thinking that leads us to say, well, how much can I give? Rather than, what do I absolutely need to give? I was a part of a church once where you could retain full membership standing if you just send in $1 every year. $1. What do I need to give? It's a different question than a New Testament question, which is, how much can I give? Because this is the center of the universe. <laughs> this is the thing that God is doing. All right, but there's lots of resistance to this, of course. There's lots of even now, lots of resistance. Paul says in verse 8, he says, the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. There's lots of uh, being drawn to sow to our flesh. Now, how does, how does this work here? We just talked about how the Word builds our faith for our flourishing. Right? He says, the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, that doesn't mean that the more you sow, the longer like your, your stay in heaven gets to be. What he's saying is that the one who sows to the Spirit gets that heavenly life now through the presence of the Spirit in your life. You, get, you bring that eternal life down. You bring that heaven into your life already. As opposed to the one who sows to the flesh. So the flesh is encouraging us to build our confidence in our own sense of control. Anybody else here kind of struggle with being manic about things under, being under control, right? We, 
The flesh wants us to build our confidence in our own ability to control things. But what does Paul say that you're going to reap? What does he say there? What's that word? The one who sows with his flesh will from the flesh reap what? Here's a nodding moment. Nod and say that word. Corruption. Corruption. Do you like corruption? Nod this way. I don't like corruption. What does corruption mean? Corruption means decay. This is a picture of people who, of, of vines in a luxurious, flourishing vineyard left on the vine. And what happens to them? Flies. Flies happen to them. Maggots happen to them. It talks about, it's a picture of people who've been given life only to see that life become reinfused with death. As opposed to people who have been given life and then see that life filled with heaven. Look again with me at verse 6. It says, Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. And then notice right away, as soon as he says that, he says, Don't be deceived, God's not mocked. Like, right away. He knows that this is an area in which we are going to want to deceive ourselves and play games with God about. I mean, right, how many of us myself included, live our lives saying, I'm not going to reap what I sow. I'm smart enough to not to sow whatever I want and still reap whatever I want. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. This is the fabric of the universe. Oh, I don't need to give money here. I don't need to invest in this operation. I already attend. Shouldn't that be enough? I already pray, by which most of us mean I don't pray, but I like to say I pray. Isn't that should be enough? I gave once. I gave last month. I've given before. That should be enough because what's most important to me is that I need control over my stuff so that I can take care of myself. I'm just quoting from my journal. (laughs) I need, I need to take care of my stuff so I can take care of myself. And, And you know what that is, right? That's the flesh trying to increase faith in myself as opposed to the Spirit trying to increase my faith in Jesus. And the more controlling we get, Paul says, the more corruption we reap. The more controlling we are over what God has given us, the more corruption we're going to reap in our life. I don't like it. I'm not telling you I like it. I'm not, telling, I'm not prophesying anything here. I'm just reading. Now, of course, what Paul ends this section with in verse 9, he says, Let's not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. There's like four verses here, and like 70% of it is like cautions and warnings about this teaching. Because it's hard. It's hard, and you will feel like giving up, right? Investment is hard. It is an act of hope. And it can feel really dumb, right? You're sitting there looking at your sandwich that doesn't have a tomato in it. And you look out the window and you see the garden and it's just dirt. And how many of us are in that spot right now, right? I got no, to, I got no tomato on my sandwich and I got no, I don't know, I don't know what's going on out there. Investment is, it is hard. You know, not every sermon is going to be life-changing. Not every class that you attend is going to be life-changing. But 200 will be, and they will improve with your investment. 
as you pray about them, as you take notes in them, as you give and encourage those who are involved in these things, they'll improve. Not every preacher and teacher that we're going to have in this pulpit or in those classrooms is going to be amazing and life-changing, but they will improve with our investment. Not every part of our church's life right now is amazing and earth-shatteringly invigorating, but they will improve with our investment as we pray about them, as we observe them, as we encourage the people in there, as we give to it. It will improve with our investment. Everything improves with investment. Including you. So thanks for being here. But we believe that Jesus changes everything and He is on a mission to change everything. Revolutionizing this world through little beautiful new creation communities that He's building out of us. The new creation is built out of us. The shining of your faith is how the kingdom of Jesus expands. And your faith is fed by the Word of God. And the Word is designed by God to come to you in a week-by-week basis here through the preaching and teaching through the operations of this church. Now, I'm not trying this morning to manipulate you into some sort of emotional action. I'm not going to call you to pull out your checkbooks or your Venmos, write a tear-stained check, put slow-motion pictures of some of our kids up there playing with Play-Doh or something, and have Christine play on the piano and really just, you know, we could build that building in 10 minutes, I tell you what, as cute as some of our kids are. That's not what I'm about, friends. What, what, I want, what I want you to do, what God in Scripture wants you to wrestle with today is to make a lifelong commitment to invest in the new creation. And not just somewhere. It's not wheel of fortune. Invest in the new creation where you are. That's where it is. Is where you are. Make a lifelong commitment to invest in your own personal spiritual health. I want you to take God's grace seriously, to take Jesus seriously, to take the Spirit seriously, to take your life seriously. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word even if this is a word about which we may immediately want to deceive ourselves and which those of us who have been obedient to it for a while feel tired with. And yet we trust Your wisdom and Your love that sowing and reaping is real and it works and it happens. And just as it happens with the fruit and produce that we love, just as it happens with the habit formation and the the life hacks that we employ, so too does it happen in the work of Your Spirit. As the Spirit leads us to plant the Word in our lives and to bear the fruit of the Spirit for this world to enjoy for Your honor and glory. So Lord, whatever in us this morning needs to hear this, to be 
released to step into that hope and into that joy, Lord God, we entrust to You. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.